Ah, you obviously know Kung Fu. Hey guys, this is Noah Flader, actor and director of Legend of Kickmaster. I'm here with Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine is better. My guest today is filmmaker, actor, stuntman, director Noah Flader, who Star Wars fans may know from his YouTube fan films, and martial arts film fans may know of his most recent work, Legend of the Kickmaster, which, at least on the surface, looked to me like a traditional martial arts story, but hang tight, things get a little screwy. And we're going to talk about it. Noah, thank you so much for uh, joining the Kung Fu Driving Podcast this morning. No worries. Thank you so much for having me, man. Yeah, it's it's great to have you. Um, like I said, uh, as I've been following you for a little while now, and when Legend of the Kickmaster promo started coming out, I was really excited to follow it. But uh, before we get into that, because there's so much to unpack there, give me an introduction to who you are, where you're from, where you grew up. Uh, I know there's some Japanese blood in you, but Flader isn't exactly the most traditional Japanese name. So where are you from? Oh, man, you just asked me a bunch of questions. Yeah, let's put it all together. So I am half Japanese, and I'm also Native American, and Flader is actually a German Jew. So my dad is is Native American and, and Jewish, so that's where that last name comes from, Flader. But my mom is Japanese, and her last name is Yoshida. So I actually grew up going uh, to Japan, like, almost every other summer. We would spend, you know, most summers out there, so, you know, like, four to six weeks out in Japan growing up come back to the states and then and you know continue going to school so that was a lot of my childhood and um, I grew up doing martial arts I started at four years old and um, I have my third degree black belt underneath Simon Rhee and that's actually how I got introduced into the film industry is because you know Simon Rhee is a pretty well-known you know actor stunt coordinator and stuntman and um, I knew that I wanted to do something with martial arts with the rest of my life I actually was very, very interested in going into the military when I was younger. Um, I have, I'm an Eagle Scout. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I went, nice. you know, I, yeah, I did Boy Scouts my whole life. Um, I was actually in JROTC as well, too, in a program called Naval Sea Cadets, and I was very interested in becoming a Navy SEAL when I was a teenager. And I pushed myself and I conquered as much as I could at that age. And then I kind of got to a tipping point where um, I got offered a full-ride scholarship to UCLA through the program. And all these, you know, cool, unique things that were pushing me towards the military. But I had this undying passion for martial arts. And I'm also, you know, there are small other factors. You know, I have leadership traits. I have, you know, this unique personality. And I said, you know what, I think I have a, a unique skill set that's going to allow me to go further in pursuing filmmaking and martial arts than I would in the military. So that was a kind of a cross point in my, you know, in my life when I was about 15 and from there on, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And and Simon Rhee, I'm really, really in debt to him. He helped uh, spike my career because of that. And once I turned 18, I, he put me to work, and I've been working ever since. Oh, that's great. That's great. Now, um, you, you did mention you're a third-degree black belt under Simon Rhee. So I trained under Simon Rhee. I trained under uh, Mitsuyama Shida, who uh, holds a high rank in Aikido as well. I trained under Michael Wise who taught at the Inasano Academy for over 20 years. Yeah, I trained with all those guys for for quite a while. But Simon Rhee, I have a an you know, official rank underneath him as a third-degree black belt in Taekwondo gotcha. under gotcha. him. Yeah, but over 20 years of martial arts experience. Okay. And so after that 20 years, 
why is it still a part of your life today? Uh, because I just started my martial arts journey. I'm 46, so I'm just hoping to get 20 days. But <laughs> what keeps you going with that? Man, you know what? It's really funny. I actually grew up hating martial arts. It's just <laughs> a funny story. Yeah, man. I hated it. Dude, I would fight my dad and mom not to go to class. You know, there wow. are some days where I'm like, okay, I'm going to enjoy class today. But I'd say like 60, 70% of the time I did not want to go. I, Dude, my dad would duct tape my hands and throw me in the car. He's like, you're going to class. <laughs> I, I would legit fight my parents. Like, I'm not going. Um, there's one thing that has been very, very consistent in my entire life, and that is I am hard-headed as hell. <laughs> if I want to do something or if I'm going to do it, I go all the way through with that plan. So it kind of breeds for a, a mischief child, um, at, you know, growing up. But I actually did not like martial arts because it was it, – it's tough. It, it's hard. No one wants to have to do push-ups. No one wants to have to do all the hard things in life. And um, I really give all the credit to my success to good parents and good teachers. I, I had the right teachers and my parents were – thank God, more hard-headed than I was. And they, they kept me through it. And, um, you know, I think at about 12 years old, I really wanted to quit. Like, I was still consistent about wanting to quit. And um, the longest break my parents really let me take was a month off. And then I went back in, then I started really finding more love in training. And then around 14, 15, I started to really, really enjoy martial arts a lot more. And then through all the military training, the pre-military training, I started to kind of figure out who I was and what I wanted in life. But um, I, I did a lot growing up, and martial arts was just one part of that. I grew up sailing. Sailing's a another big passion of mine as a kid growing up, backpacking with my dad because of all the scouting stuff we did. But martial arts was just one thing that we I was always consistent on. My dad would take me to class, mom and dad, you know, Monday through Friday for about maybe three hours every day, you know, training since I was four years old. So just like in anything, there's good and bad days, but I was, I was a crazy ass kid, man. Honestly, <laughs> if, if it wasn't for martial arts, I'd probably be in jail because I was like, <laughs> always in trouble, stealing stuff, lying. I was just, I was an idiot, man. <laughs> it really, really put me in, in check where I needed to be in life. So with all of that um, craziness that was going on and mm -hmm. uh, not really liking martial arts, how then did that transition into martial arts to filmmaking how did that happen that's a really interesting question so when i was about 15 around that time um i actually developed a martial arts team in high school called team genji so my mom's japanese side uh her blood traces all the way back to a japanese samurai clan called the minamoto clan and they're very well known as genji that's their their nickname and it's kind of popularized today in a lot of you know, TV shows and, and comic books and manga and stuff. So I just, you know, took our family name Genji and I made a little martial arts team. And um, one of my passions was teaching martial arts too. So in high school, I was uh, motivating everybody around me to start training, start working out, you know, whether it was for self-improvement in your mind, for your body, if you wanted self-defense, because I had a um, actually one of the big topics, which is really, really scary is, uh, women's self-defense. It's insane mm -hmm. how much women are, um, are sexually assaulted. It, it's unfortunately kind of normal. And that was like another big inspiration for me to help, you know, teach women self-defense, work out with people just for fun. There was all these different common de denominators that brought, you know, so many people together. So after school, we would have like 30 to 50 people, just kids. We're all teenagers in high school 
start working out, you know, at a park nearby after high school. And that was one of the things that really started fueling my passion for martial arts even further was the community aspect I was building as a teenager. And then, um, you know, as that continued forward, I plateaued in that and I wanted, I wanted more. Uh, one thing about me also is that I get very bored very easily. <laughs> Once <laughs> right. I, I've done that thing, I want to move on to the next harder thing. What is the next tier? How do I influence not just 50 or 100 people locally? How do I influence 1,000 people, mm. hundreds of thousands, and then millions? And um, that was the goal is how do I influence and change things? I want to put my message out there. I want to help make good because, dude, this world is crazy. We live in crazy times. You know, there's a, a lot of negativity in the world. And I feel like I have a lot of positive to offer. And I was like, how do I do that? Because you can't just be a good fighter. You got to be charismatic. You got to know how to talk. You have to know how to motivate people. And I decided, I was like, man, I think the only way is through film. So I started to let that sink in my brain. And then I was training heavily private lessons with Mastery. And then I would bring it up to him. This is what I want to do. He's like, okay, let me start showing you what you need to do. These are the connections you need to know. And he started teaching me screen fighting and how to prep for camera. And from a martial artist standpoint, one of the really unique things is that screen fighting also really brought out a whole other side of my martial arts because you learn to focus and hone your techniques on a different level. You know, it's one thing just to throw a sidekick if someone's attacking you, but it's another to perfect it to make sure it looks beautiful on screen because you have to learn how to pay attention to every little freaking detail, you know, in your movements. So it really pushed my martial arts physically and mentally onto a whole other caliber. And then, you know, you have all night shoots in the snow and rain, and then it just becomes brutal. And, and you test yourself, especially doing stunts. It's, it's a, a different level of martial arts that I was able to fortunately learn from and apply to myself as a human being. So kind of a crazy story. <laughs> no, that's cool. Now, once you got that filmmaking bug in you, what yeah. was your first project? Yeah, so I was doing stunts and then acting a little bit, and I really wanted more. And I, I was like, you know, obviously I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Yeah. <laughs> and I was hanging out with my buddies in their garage and just hanging out. These are my two best friends I've grown up with my whole life. They're not in. They weren't in the film industry till I brought them in later. And I was like, hey guys, like, you know, we're all Star Wars fans. I hate how the Star Wars movies do action. I think I could do it better. They're like just laughing at me. They're like, dude, <laughs> shut up. Get out of here. I'm like, no, watch me. I'm going to make a film. They're like, okay, whatever you say. And then a year later, I put together The Betrayal, which was my first project. I co-directed alongside Vlad Rimberg. Um, he did the uh, fight choreography as well, and I was the lead in it. And, um, you know, I'm friends with all those guys, and everyone was so amazing enough to come out, push through the project, make it happen. And, you know, Obviously, it's a low budget, you know, thing. I think I was 19 at the time, maybe 20, putting it together. First time I'd ever led an entire production. And um, I think we had maybe like $6,000, $7,000, something really low in, in terms of filmmaking. And um, I was really proud with the product we were able to make. And um, I'm actually really good friends, uh, family friends with the actor. His name's Greg Grumberg. And J.J. Uh, mm -hmm. Abram is his kid's godfather. Right, right. So um, through that, Greg, you know, I just showed it to Greg. I didn't really think anything of it. I was like, man, Greg, check this out. There's something I put together. It was so much fun. You know, he's also a big sci-fi fan, obviously. And yeah. Greg's like, 
oh my god, dude, I gotta show this to JJ. And I was like, I was like, oh dude, don't don't show this to JJ. No, 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 no. <laughs> and he just emailed it. And then uh, a couple of days later, JJ responded back with that nice quote. And a yeah. lot of people were like, man, is that real? Did you really get JJ's, you know, blessing? And I was like, you know, fortunately, yeah, it actually happened. And um, I think that was one of the uh, stepping stones in my career that kind of put me forward. A lot of people recognize that. Like, wow, this young kid got recognition from J.J. Abrams. This, you know, short film is amazing. And uh, it kind of pushed a lot of things forward for me. And I'm very blessed to have and be surrounded by the right people. Yeah, it it really is a great short. Um, I recognize some of the people in that uh, short. I got to say, though, when you start out as a filmmaker, to me, it seems crazy ambitious to shoot for the moon with Star Wars to be your first project. You know, it's really funny. We have a joke in our team. We can never do normal things. <laughs> <laughs> Sci-fi action must be the hardest thing to freaking do because one, locations can't look like no- a normal planet. You have right. to look somewhere somewhat exotic. The clothing, wardrobe always has to be different. You're not using normal weapons. Everything's got to be super different, which makes it expensive and hard and, and just tricky. And then we went into this live action anime, which is also ridiculously hard. So, right. you know, it's never... Um, that that route we're taking was never intended. It's just we're fans of that world. So we were like, yeah, let's do it. Um, <laughs> it literally like it, it was just a fun thing to do. And a lot of people ask me like, oh, are you trying to be in the Star Wars films? And I'm I, I don't have that intention of, of getting into, you know, that series. I, I, if I really wanted to, I, I might push harder with bad robot because I know all those guys there. Okay. Um, I, I don't really have that intention. My love and joy is creating films. I love writing and I love directing and co-directing with my best friends and just working with my team to make something that inspires people. So I think working on the star Wars projects was a great stepping stone to do what we really want to do in life. Cool. Yeah. And the purge is another star Wars project that came out really great, really, really well done. What's the reaction been like from the whole star Wars community? Man, uh, there's a lot of love. Um, also the star Wars fans are super critical, you know? So, um, one of the things that we couldn't help but do was the, the hardest part is getting all the clone troopers on set. Um, these are all guys that work a nine to five. They're big Star Wars fans. Some of them are the part of the 501st. And uh, they're all great guys. But it, it's hard to get all the screen accurate right suits because not everybody makes them. And if we were to make them, it's like five grand a piece. It's ridiculous. Oof. Yeah. Um, and it takes like a year long to even make them. So it's like super expensive there's no time in being able to do it so you know our idea is like dude who cares like we're gonna put clone troopers on screen and it's gonna look freaking cool like everyone's gonna have a good time so everyone that enjoyed the films enjoyed them the only critique was like oh how come there's a phase one storm or clone trooper and phase two (laughs) next to each other which doesn't tie in chronologically with the the time arc and i'm like look guys like you either get it or you don't (laughs) you know like it is what it is. So sure. uh, that was probably the only thing that we kept seeing as comments. And that's that's a cool thing because that's a budget issue. You know, that's not something we can really control. Um, but as far as like the filmmaking aspect and uh, we got a lot of praise. I think we're close to a million views on the first one. Episode one, I, I can't remember. It's like 950,000 something. Yeah, yeah. Now. yeah. And we're working on episode three. You know, we have Kickmaster being worked on, but 
we have a lot of effects that need to be done for episode three of The Purge. So there is a third one coming out. Um, and then that's the last of the, that arc right there. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. And and uh, so now we, we're going to go from Star Wars to to Legend of the Kickmaster, which I got to say is um, incredible for all of the craziest reasons. So, <laughs> um, and what, like I said, when I, when I first watched that, uh, it was one of those projects where uh, I thought I was getting one thing and then it took me on a whole different ride. Uh, and, and that's not just from the first episode too, just from the promos. Yeah. Cause the promos, you had this, the promo staggered and yeah. uh, we were introduced to Christy first, I believe. And then homeless Joe. Yes. And then somewhere along the line, we got to captain Finn <laughs> and I was like, I, am I watching the same video series? Cause I don't think this belongs here. Uh-huh. Because for anybody who doesn't know, Captain Finn's a pirate, an actual pirate with a tricorner hat and buccaneer boots and a cool jacket and, and all yeah. this stuff. And he wakes up on a beach next to actual mermaids, mm-hmm. not not women in mermaid outfits. These are actual mermaids as far as I can tell. Yes. So to put that into this whole martial arts universe, I thought clearly this video got uploaded incorrectly because this doesn't fit here. <laughs> but... Tell me exactly what what I'm looking at with Legend of the Kickmaster. Man, that <laughs> your reaction is exactly what we want people to say. <laughs> you know, there's nothing worse than going into a movie theater and knowing exactly what's going to happen. Right. Um, that that's that's like a pet peeve of mine. If I if I can predict the entire thing, it, you know, I'm bored. And the other <laughs> side of it is that we all go to the movie theaters wanting to feel something. You know, whether what, whatever emotion is happiness, excitement, motivation, sadness, you know, um, we want to feel something. So the fact that you're this intrigued and this, you know, taken back by what's happening means that you feel something and we've done our job. And that's exactly what we wanted to do with this. And um, it's hard because we're actually trying to we're, we're in the process of uh, selling Kickmaster possibly. So oh, fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So we're trying to take the show we have five episodes that are still being edited episode episode one's already up obviously and uh we have episode two almost done and i believe we're going to release that on youtube but after that we may not put the other three up and it'll be sold um i don't know on, on what platform yet but we'll see but as far as the direction of the show goes the the big premise of it is that number one i want to act more um and I want to act on projects that I'm truly passionate about. I don't want to just, you know, be an actor that goes and tries to act, you know, every single day on any other project, um, whatever lines it may be as a liquor store manager or some guy that is driving a car. I, I want to do roles I'm actually really passionate about. And Kickmaster is perfect because the concept, the basic concept is obviously we love action. We love karate. We love martial arts. That's who we are. But as individuals creating the show, and I created the show alongside my best friend. His name is Jonathan Alegria. He wrote it with me, created it, and he also co-directed the entire show with me. And um, we're both avid martial arts fans. He actually has a really cool uh, martial arts background himself. His family was tied in with uh, Chuck Norris in the glory days, growing up with them and training with uh, Chuck Norris and um, doing Tong Sudo, which is a very similar style of Korean karate, like Taekwondo. Um, but his family grew up with that background. And um, so everything we're doing fits in with what Johnny and I both believe is amazing. And um, we go off into this crazy world. And the idea is that 
anybody at any time can leave their house and go on a wild adventure. Um, a lot of people get stuck on just staying home, not knowing what to do with their life. You know, just, hey, let's have some drinks. Let's just kick back. And then that's the end of their day. And, you know, it is what it is. And they don't do anything with their lives. 20 years go by. Nothing has actually happened. It's the same routine. You could literally walk outside, go down to 7-Eleven, and bam, craziness is happening. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the idea. And that's actually our lives. Like, half of the stuff you can't just make up, like... I mean, obviously, it's exaggerated because there's a unicorn onesie, but crazy stuff always <laughs> happens to us, dude. It's nuts. And um, and it, we take inspiration from our lives and put it into the show. Like, you guys, trust me, just go out in the world, be confident in who you are, do whatever you want. And just, you know, if you want something, it's out there. You can have whatever you want. Just leave the house and go on an adventure. That, that's kind of the inspiration for the show. That's cool. Yeah, and uh, I, I get that from the uh, from the introduction. Uh, there's a, a very positive vibe to the whole thing, even just from the promos and uh, that invitation to adventure, which I thought is really cool. The cast that you, you've assembled, take us through who you've got assembled uh, in this whole story and uh, maybe some idea of what their story arcs. And, and leave Captain Finn to the end because I, <laughs> I want to get that last. <laughs> I love how intrigued you are with Captain Finn. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so without spoiling the show, because I know a lot of my viewers are going to be listening to this, and they're they're super excited. Um, so the first character we introduce, aside from, or should I start with myself? Sure, sure. Yeah. So um, without spoiling too much, um, take take heed of what I'm saying as well. Um, every character has a very in depth storyline. Um, we spent about a solid five months writing where I didn't work on any projects. I didn't do anything. I was so dedicated to this. I didn't see my family. I didn't have any relationships, no women, nothing. <laughs> All I did was created. I, I locked myself away. I went on trips. I just created with my best friend. That was it. So everything is really in depth, but without trying to spoil everything, my character from what we can see right now is very straightforward. He's a uh, kind of the relatable guy with for a lot of people that's you know someone that is a martial artist someone that loves something in their life and just needs to go out of the house and go on an adventure he's always imagined things um in his head but he's never taken a step forward and this is the beginning of that journey now one of the things that we did that i don't think a lot of people picked up on which i'm happy about but i want to explain is if you notice in the beginning of episode one we're in the desert in my imagination, yep. right? Yep. And we come back to the living room in my underwear, so that's in my head. <laughs> um, right. And if you go to the promo, we're in the same exact location. That whole sequence is also in my head. Oh, okay, okay. There you go. So anytime that that hooded black figure or we're in that desert scene, we're in my imagination. I see. Okay, cool. So it's, it's really funny because um, – I'm actually that way. Like we'll be at Denny's or something eating and all of a sudden in my head with my friends, we're on a pirate ship and we're like, <laughs> we've gotten in trouble because we start standing on top of the tables and stuff and like we get into it and I'm like explaining a scene that I want to shoot or I'm, you know, we're watching Pirates of the Caribbean. This scene happens and we get into it and someone comes by like, oh, excuse me, sir. Can you not stand on the table? And I was like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I thought I was standing on top of my ship. My bad. That's cool. <laughs> and they're like, okay, you guys need to not be crazy right now. But like, <laughs> that's how I am. I imagine that I'm in this crazy exotic place, 
you know, somewhere far off in the distant land fighting these badass karate martial artists as well. And also another side hint in that promo, one of the things that I love that we do, I feel like we do a great job of portraying women on screen. Um, I know that's a very sensitive topic, especially right now. And, um, you know, Johnny and I, you know, to us, there's nothing more sexy than someone that's badass. Like, honestly, I don't need her being scandalous and skimpy, you know, and then, and then trying to look cute. I want her to be coordinated. I want her to be a badass and be confident in who she is, you know? And, and to me, I feel like we've done a great job in the show of that, especially with Christy's character. And even if you take what I just said about my imagination in my promo, Mm -hmm. I fight a man and a female. Yep. So in my imagination, I equal a female just as strong as a male too. Yeah. So that is also important in the story later as well too. We throw those, you know, we, we try to give everybody, you know, a, a win in the show. So, um, I think that's, that's really important as well. I actually, uh, kind of a side tangent. I, um, I dated somebody for a while and, uh, her father was, uh, was Korean. He was Asian. And, um, I think it was just the way that he was brought up, but he didn't believe that a female could ever hurt him. Not because genuinely he like was disgusted by women or whatever. He, he literally thought that just, you know, like, Oh, a female can never hurt me, you know? And I was like, are you kidding me? There are some badass women out there. Oh, yeah. Not, not man. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, he wasn't being malicious about it. He wasn't, it was just a lack of education. And, um, I was like, wow, I, maybe I can change that one day, yeah. you know, maybe I can help bring that to light. I mean, Wonder Woman was fantastic. That absolutely. was absolutely yeah. amazing, you know, um, in doing so. But, uh, that's one thing that we love doing in our films. If you watch any of our four storm stuff, you know, anytime that there's a woman portrayed on screen, you know, we try to do a good job of showing that she's strong, confident and being able to hold her own ground and probably really kick ass. So. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's important to me too. I'm, I'm a dad with three daughters. So there you go. yeah. And so that, uh, that's always something that I'm looking to uh, show my girls uh, so that there isn't this uh, sense that they always have to be a, a second class citizen, you know, for any reason in any, uh, in any aspect of life. Cause that's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I was watching a, an anime, Seven Deadly Sins. It's mm. on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I love it. The only thing is that they got the Japanese mentality. They're very chauvinistic yeah. and they portrayed one of the lead females as the damsel princess in distress. And I'm like, oh, God, give me a break. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, Jesus, okay. This is so overplayed out. It's 2018 people. Like, can we move forward with this? So that's something that, um, we don't ever really want to do. And, you know, I'm never going to say never, but if we do do so, it's probably for a good reason and it has to do with the story, but that's just not our flavor. So anyways, moving forward. So that's kind of a a little bit of a idea with my character. I don't want to spoil too much, but then we introduce Christie's character. And the reason I was just saying that is I'm trying to tie it into Christie's character is that we show, you know, so far we've only seen, the uh, Tomb Raider, you know, tough looking girl on yeah. top of the mountain looking badass over the cliff top. And she actually did that for real. That climb was like nice, re- really high, you know. And, you know, I've worked with a lot of models, a lot of women. And there are a lot of girls that have never gone rock climbing or mountain climbing in their life. And they're scared of heights. And they're like, oh, I can't do that. But Chrissy, no problem. Just hiked up top and we had the drone fly around her and she handled it. You know, a lot of people are like, man, this is really high. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that I pride myself on is we do a lot of our own stunts. We, I mean, 
that's the big thing we do is stunts sure. and you know um i trained christy privately for for quite some time and getting her ready for fighting and uh she's just she's a badass girl you know she's she's tough she can do it all she rides motorcycles she shoots guns she does martial arts uh she was a power ranger as well i don't know if your daughters watch power rangers oh, or nice. not but yeah she's uh the pink power ranger for i think this past season uh oh okay yeah christiane so um, the promo shows that, and then we show her fighting with alongside me, and she transforms into this unicorn onesie, <laughs> you know? So um, I don't want to spoil too much of her character right now, but the idea is that um, this character embodies both sides of her personality. Every girl wants to be beautiful. She wants to be cute. She wants to be good-looking. You know, almost every girl's got a unicorn onesie. I have so many girls that are like, oh, my God, I have that exact same onesie. You know? And I was like, yes, that's exactly what we want. It's relatable. And then there's the other side where every girl also wants to be a beautiful, badass chick that can climb mountains, that can fight and kick ass and, you know, hold her own name. And that's kind of the concept that we went with Chrissy's character to embody that spirit. And it was so much fun writing for her character and working for her, or working with her. She was uh, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, you know, the, just a, a quick aside. The first time I saw her in episode one, I didn't immediately make the connection that she was the same Christy in the promo, and I had to go back because in in episode one, she you know she's got this really beautiful look. She saunters in, she looks over the shoulder at you, and then she turns into the unicorn, the unicorn yep. of justice, by the way, which is outrageous. But <clears throat> um going back to the promos i was like oh that's the same girl yep that's the exact same girl um and again they're the promos are really like easter eggs you know like they're gonna they're they're there for you to think about mm-hmm. so it's hard to really dissect the show just from episode one episode yeah. one and two are really the hook of the show um i believe after episode three the storytelling really starts kicking in and episode four and five are the meat of the entire show. That's when that's when it really like gets down to it, and it's a lot of fun. At least it was for us to shoot and edit everything for you guys. So um, yeah, you can keep that in the back of your mind. And anyone <laughs> that's listening, episode one, two, and three, it's kind of just the hook of the show, and then four and five, it really takes off uh, where we wanted to go. But yeah, so the other character. So then we have a uh, homeless Joe's character. <laughs> so. Looks um, like a fun character, just straight fun. Yeah. It, the other beauty about writing the show is that I'm really close friends with everybody that's on screen, all the cast members. And I was able to write for them personally. <laughs> we, don't, we don't hold auditions. We don't go through all of that when we do something. It's literally like I want to make movies. The people that are around me are all working professionals. I'm going to write them roles and we're all going to go have fun. You know, that that's how it is. And um, Joe has been a really close friend of mine and good student as well. I train him as well. But um, actually, his, him and his team are very famous YouTubers. They're called Just Kidding Films. And they were the ones that got me inspired to start Four Storm Entertainment. Oh, nice. Um, okay. When I, when I started doing stunts, I had no social media. I had no Instagram, no Facebook, no, no nothing. I grew up in a gym outdoors in the mountains, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> I was taught, like, don't sit in front of your computer and TV all day playing video games. <laughs> That's just how I was brought up. And um, so once I started working, they're like, man, you got to get social media. You got to start Instagram at least. Got on Instagram because of them. And then um, I was paying attention to their business aspect and what they were able to do as content creators through YouTube. And Joe kind of guided me in the proper ways of 
of being able to, you know, start a YouTube channel. And then Revenge of the Kids, you know, because of what they showed me, was able to hit over 100 million views online. Yeah. So, um, which is just another short film. The, the idea is really simple. Just kids running around the front yard, being kids, playing with lightsabers. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's just a good time. But Joe really helped me with that. And I was, you know, becoming such close friends with him over the years, I was able to really know who he is as a person and who he is on screen for his YouTube audience um, as well and as a comedian. So he started off as a professional comedian as well. And um, his audience actually created the character Homeless Joe, not myself. (laughs) And um, I thought it was going to be really, really fun if we were able to bring that to life. And it was just a joke because he would go out the house. This this guy is making a lot of money. I don't don't know the exact number and I won't (laughs) say on on here, but Joe makes a lot of money. But the funny part is that he'll drive his Jag F type down the street and he looks like a bum. He doesn't really <laughs> care what he looks like, you know? So him and his, his girlfriend is filming and she's like, God damn, like Joe, you look like a homeless man. So everyone line online, homeless Joe, homeless Joe. And it's been a joke for years. That's and I was like, I think I'm going to pull this character to life. So we had sit down meetings, talk to him about it. And he's like, yeah, dude, it'd be fantastic. So it's, it's a kind of a fun, uh, Easter egg for his fans as well. When they see Joe's character come on screen, I won't say which episode, uh, but when they see him come on screen, my God, he's the comedic relief of the entire show, him and Brian, but he really carries the comedy of the entire show. And it's just so funny. Cool. Yeah. It, he really embodies um, everything that we wanted. And another thing, as far as the way Johnny and I write, because we're writing for our friends uh, we write everything with just key notes. So, you know, we would write his dialogue with just the points we want to get across screen because he's a very um, improv type actor. He'll give us the same line 20 different ways, you know, um, which is fantastic. And shooting with him is always great. Our entire crew is cracking up all the time. Um, there was one scene I remember shooting. Joe said something ridiculous and then Johnny was directing the scene. And he ruined the tape because he started laughing. He like couldn't hold it in. And then everybody on crew started busting up laughing. And then the cam ops like, damn it, Johnny, that was a good take. And Johnny's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you got to put that yeah. on the outtakes. Those are always fun. Yeah, yeah. Those are always great. So we had a lot of those like golden moments on set. And, um, and uh, Johnny was t- talking to me. He said, magic is being able to capture those moments on screen forever. Mm. And uh, that's what we do is uh, we work on trying to capture those magical moments that we create on set and then putting it into film. So um, we, we had so many great, great, almost every single shoot was like that. Just <laughs> laughing our asses off, having a great time or just intense martial arts action. Just so, so many good moments and memories making this show. A um, lot of love and passion in this one. And then um, we go into Brian's character. Brian, you know, uh, for for those of you that don't know, he's also a professional stuntman mm-hmm. and he's an actor with a Marshall Club YouTube channel online. And insane Brian, bunch of guys, insane. Yeah, those guys are nuts, insanely talented. The craziest part is that they're not classically trained. I grew up at a martial arts school. Wow. You know, I, I grew up training. These guys watched YouTube. That's how they got good. They went in their backyards. They saw some guys doing backflips and roundhouse kicks, and they started copying them. And then they got really, really good at it. That's incredible. <laughs> I don't understand how their bodies stay together with the way that they throw them around the way they do. 
man, yeah, it, it, it's an art. <laughs> and uh, they have a, a lot of tough nights trying to go to sleep because they're all banged up. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you do it for the love of it. And uh, these guys are just, you know, him and his brother, Andy Lee, they're both absolutely uh, fantastic and talented. But um, I've been really close friends with Brian for a good amount of years as well, too, just both being fascinated with martial arts as much as we are. Actually, Brian, I think, approached me. He saw me training, and uh, he fell in love with the way I kick. He's like, oh, man, can you teach me how to kick? And I'm like, dang, dude, you can, like, fly. Why do you need help with kicking? (laughs) And then I saw him kicking, and I was like, oh, let me help you, actually. It wasn't that good. And then I started to kind of tweak it around, and then we became really close friends through martial arts, me showing him how to kick a little bit, um, and then him helping me with my my training as well, my uh, tricking. Because nice. I'm not I'm not a tricker by any means. I just know the basics, and Brian's really helped me out with that. And then, uh, you know, he's a very animated type person. If you ever want to see someone be crazy, this dude Brian's like what five six, and he's over two hundred pounds of muscle and can fly. Like, and he's just ridiculous. Like, go online, type up Brian Lee, Brian Lee L E, and uh, you'll see him just go nuts. And again. He's one of my my closest friends, and I was able to write a character for him, and uh, he play portrays an exaggerated version of himself on screen. <laughs> so, um, just writing for him has been amazing as well, too. But I will say he is going to be in the next episode. So cool. I'll that, that I'll say that. All so right. he's in the next episode, and it's it's just a good time. <laughs> it's just a good time with Brian. Always is. He says some outlandish stuff in the show as well. So there was a a couple lines where we didn't know if we should uh if we should say it on screen, but we kept it because we thought it was hilarious. We're always willing to be risk takers because sometimes it's kind of like, okay, this could be a gray line. Maybe we should stray away from it from being safe. You know, that's what some of the team members tell me. I said, I didn't I wasn't born in this world to be safe, guys. Let's just throw it out there. People are gonna laugh their asses off. They can get angry if they want. I don't really care. It's funny to us. We're not making films for other people too. We're making it for ourselves first. Nice. Let's have fun. Yep. So Brian says some crazy stuff, so I'm just <laughs> warning everybody out there. <laughs> All right, we, fair warning. For a fair warning, everybody. Fair warning, everybody, yeah. And then Steffi's character. Steffi is amazing because she adds such a unique light to the show. She's literally a real-life anime character. She looks it. Yeah. She's got pink hair. She's short, cute little Asian girl. <laughs> like, literally an anime character. She's actually our uh, director of photography, cinematographer's uh, girlfriend, Tommy Trin's girlfriend. And uh, if any of you guys don't know Tommy Trin, he, he is my... Uh, director of photography for everything that I do as far as film wise. He's my brother. Like I call him my brother because we're that close, but he's my brother. Uh, I love him to death and he just makes everything look absolutely beautiful. Um, anytime that there's just a gorgeous shot, it's all Tommy's work. You know, any, he, he can make a blade of grass look absolutely gorgeous. That's like <laughs> what he does. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, and we take a lot of inspiration. It it was actually amazing that you said this about Steffi's promo because our show takes a lot of inspiration from, uh, Scott Pilgrim. Mm. Uh, and we're huge fan fans of Edgar Wright, all his movies. My God, I love all of them. And one of his signature things that he likes to do are those like hard cut 
transition. The hard cuts, yeah. And yeah. I was I was going to mention that because that's what made me think about Scott Pilgrim, the, the hard cut and then that quick action. So Yes, yes. We're big fans of his work. So we, we tried to implement that when we could in the show. Um, and, you know, in the early stages of how Kickmaster should be shot, Scott Pilgrim was – all, you know, brought up in meetings a lot, like, you know, as far as inspiration on how we wanted to shoot it and stuff like that. The only difference is that we wanted our show to be a little bit more anime, you know, related, like it should feel kind of like uh, a live action anime or like inspired by anime. Oh, and absolutely. So, like, pick that up. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, we, we really, really wanted that message to get crowded brought across screen so i appreciate that and um scott pilgrim is more of a comic book video game vibe right you know so those are the only two differences and we try to take what we like from him and then apply our own uniqueness into our show too so um i'm when you said scott pilgrim we were like oh my god this dude is right on the money he's paying <laughs> attention yes um, and uh Steffi's character man there's just too many good Easter eggs, like I don't want to spoil anything. Right. Don't um, spoil. Is, is there anything that you wanted to ask me about Sebi's character? Because I don't want to ruin anything. Yeah, oh, actually, of all of the characters, she's the one that I know the least about. Um, and yes. you know, she like she came on, she did her thing. I was like, oh, and then she was gone, like so super quick. So, <laughs> and like, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything either. I, I, I'm perfectly happy to wait, but you know, whatever you can tell us would be fine. <laughs> Um, yeah, with Steffi's character, I think you said something else along the lines of she was the most mysterious character out yeah. of them all. Mm -hmm. And that is also exactly what we were going for. Cool. Um, she's this cute, innocent looking Asian girl. Yep. And at the same time, you can see her unleashing this crazy punch, knocking out a dude twice her size. Right. And then she goes dancing off in, into the distance, you know? And it's like, who the hell is this little girl? What? Yep, yep. And <laughs> that's exactly what we wanted. It's funny because when she speaks to on camera, she's actually that adorable in that's real funny. life. I promise you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's actually, um, she's not an actress. Um, she has a full-time job, I believe, as a graphic designer. I may okay. be picturing that. She's in the artistic field, and she's planning on becoming a photographer very soon. But she had no plans on being an actress. And But she was so perfect. I was like, Steffi, like, you have to be in this show. You're absolutely perfect. She was like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> she was great. And, uh, her, her backstory actually helps trigger season two as well. So wow. I'm actually in the writing of season two, if our show does get picked up and we're able to sell it, we will be shooting season two and it will be much longer. I know everyone was kind of bummed out about the length of the episode, which is a good problem. Sure. Everybody is like, oh, five minutes. And um, the, the lengths of the episodes do progressively get longer. One and two are a little short. I think three is about six or seven minutes. And then the other episodes are more or less like 10 minutes long. But we would like to be able to do like 15 to 20 minute episodes. It's just it's all budget, you know. The whole world revolves around money, so <laughs> and I gotta pay everybody. Want to put food on the table for everybody, but yeah, her character is actually very, very important to our storyline. So um, I will say that. And then, um, so we have all those guys, and I think the last one's uh, Captain Finn. Yep. And uh, so I, I come from a, a comic book background. I used to work in comics. I worked for Valiant and for Marvel for many years. Nice. So, I'm a sci-fi fan as well. Star Wars is is right in my wheelhouse. Yep. So when a character like Captain Finn comes on screen in a a story that doesn't 
quite seem to uh, have a spot for him. I, I start to go a little nuts and, and think, you know, is this some kind of lost episode? Are we talking about time travel here? Uh, it, the, is this is this like a, a an ancestor of one of the characters that we're going to see and maybe they, they meet up again somehow? You know, it goes crazy for me. So go ahead and tell me who Captain Finn is. Oh, man. I don't think I can because it's going to ruin the, the surprise. <laughs> okay. All right, then, then don't. <laughs> yeah, he is... So he is going to pop up in the show, obviously, but I don't want to ruin because his introduction is also great. We're, I mean, Johnny and I are both huge pirate fans. Johnny actually has a crazy dream. Like, Johnny has dreams, man. And, and like, actually, like, when he goes to sleep, he wakes up, he'll text me or call me. He's like, dude, I had the wildest dream. And he'll start telling me all these crazy things. And I'm the same exact way. And he has consistent dreams about... Uh, a pirate and he's always wanted to do something with a pirate and i was like okay i think we may be able to squeeze this in it's gonna be crazy and everybody loved it uh, one of the things that we like doing is sitting down with their team after we've written something and we get their approval as well um, i actually just did a table read for just kidding films for their movie 30 seconds which was phenomenal i'm so excited uh to be a part of their team as well but one of the unique things that they did was after they had written their script, they had a sit down with about 20 to 30 people. And we did a table read. Not everyone's working on it. They're just close friends. And they wanted to get their perspective on the film from their, you know, what, what they thought. And I thought that was really, really cool. Because every table read I've ever done, you know, for a production is I'm hired talent, you know, I'm doing stunts, or I'm an actor in it, we sit down, we go over it. And it's like, do you guys have any questions kind of deal? It's not Give us your creative input and we'll go back and change the story depending on if it works or not. You know, and with JK Films, that was really, really cool. And we kind of did something very similar to Kickmaster. So in, in saying that, Captain Finn's character, everybody absolutely loved. And it, it's hard because season one is all about developing our characters right sure. now. Mm -hmm. You're you're gonna see the story, you're gonna be introduced to the characters. And season two is where it should really, really take off. If we've done a great job with season one, people are interested. People want to spend money on this. I'm so happy to be able to make season two. And um, I shared season two concept with a friend of mine. He was like, I'm actually kind of upset that season two isn't being done first because it's such <laughs> a good concept. He's like, I want to see that. And I said, all right. You know, character development first. We got to build the story. Got to make sure everybody likes the characters. Then we can really go crazy with the story. But Captain Finn's character really goes into it from there. But ah, I can't say too much okay. without spoiling it. All I'm right, sorry. no, that, that's that's yeah. totally fair. Now let's go then into the influences around this. Obviously, there's a lot of anime influences, a lot yes. of video game nods. What what other influences came into uh, putting this whole thing together? And will martial arts be a part of this whole story. Absolutely. Martial arts is is one of the main parts of the story. Um as even with the pirate, that's what that's where it, that's where you keep drawing me. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the beauty of martial arts to us martial arts is not punching and kicking, it's an art form of life. Right. So my character kind of ends up embodying that idea and um he attracts all of these different people like at first we see christy's character and then later on my character kind of brings in all these different people the common denominator is through martial arts but it's kind of interesting because even our film crew 95 percent of our team 
are all martial artists. Wow. I don't know how the hell that happened. That's cool. Yeah. It just it just worked out that way. Yeah, Tommy Tran is a third degree black belt in Taekwondo too. Uh, our other camera op has a second degree black belt in karate. And Johnny, you know, grew up doing martial arts his whole life. We have a boxer on the team. Everybody's like, you know, just in martial arts some way, shape, or form. Doesn't mean we all train together, but it, it, it's kind of a bonding factor. You know what I mean? Like we've all done it, and we all kind of get it. And because you've done something like that, there's an unspoken code between our, our team, and it, it's absolutely amazing. But it shows in the filmmaking process and how we wrote for the actual characters on screen. So martial arts is definitely a big part of it, but it's so much more too. And um, the actual animes that we took inspiration from, and I'm such a huge fan of this series, is Hunter x Hunter. Mm -hmm. if, if, if you guys have not seen Hunter x Hunter, you absolutely need to watch it. It's phenomenal. It's really, really interesting uh, to see that show. And one of the craziest parts that people either love or hate, I absolutely loved it, is the author or the writer, he didn't even bother fixing plot holes in the story. <laughs> and I love that because in life, sometimes there's an important person that just disappears and they go off and do their own thing. And sometimes you don't actually get the answer to what happened to them. And you don't actually need to know. The concept is you move on. Hmm. It's a part of life, and um, it's uh, something that the writer does quite often in Hunter x Hunter. Someone major will just disappear, and you're like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> and I love it. I'm like, yeah, I get it. You move on. And people are like, no, I need to know what happened. I say, you don't always <laughs> get that in life, my friend. <laughs> right. So um, Hunter x Hunter is a, a huge inspiration in the show. And another series, it's available on Netflix, called Magi, um, specifically the arc called Legend of Sinbad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That show was a, another big part um, of us creating Kickmaster. And my character on screen embodies personality traits from Gon, who's the lead of Hunter x Hunter, and Sinbad as well, too. When we were writing it, Johnny and I, we both had those two characters in mind when we were trying to write for my, my character on screen for Kickmaster. So, um, yeah, th those are the major influences in the show. Um, and then I obviously talked about Scott Pilgrim, Edgar mm -hmm. Wright movies. Um, Edgar Wright is just phenomenal. I actually Googled him the other day because a friend of mine worked with him, and I think he's 42, mm. 42, something like that. And I was like, man, I can't believe how young he is. That's like to be that successful as a director yeah, yeah. and all these things, that's, that's still really young in my opinion. I was like, damn, it never really hit me. It's like, oh, man, that, that's amazing. It's inspiring. Yeah, so those are the, kind of the inspirations for the show. Cool. What about as a martial artist? Who are your influences? Oh, man, all the greats. Um, I mean, anyone that's a serious martial artist has studied Bruce Lee. Like, I, I have to bring that up. Um, when I was 15, 16, I got heavily, like, dedicated and, and obsessed with Bruce Lee. And I bought all his books, and I was studying Jeet Kune Do. And, and then um, I was fortunate enough to train with uh, – Michael Wise, who taught at the Inasano Academy. And if, for those of you that don't know, Bruce Lee, before he passed away, he certified three instructors in JKD. And one of them, who's currently still alive, the other ones have passed away, his name's Danny Nasanto. And I've worked with a lot of martial artists, um, a lot of legends, and I think Danny Nasanto is, Guru Dan is by far the most sought out martial arts instructor in the world. And uh, I've had the honor of training underneath Guru Dan a little bit. Um, I'd, not enough to really say I've trained with him because 
you go to his classes, it's like a hundred people, man. He's not actually teaching anybody. It's just everybody trying to fit in the room and trying to say that they worked with Guru Dan. I've got to privately work with him a little bit because of uh, Mr. Wise, but I trained with Mr. Wise. Actually, uh, <laughs> I dated his daughter, and that's how I knew him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's um, not fair. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was that was my way in. And, um, <laughs> I actually didn't know who he was or anything. I was just uh, dating his daughter and shoot her name. Um, I should probably leave out, but yeah, um, I was dating her and she's like, oh yeah, my dad's a martial artist. And I was like, oh cool, sweet. And then I uh, met him and then um, I fell in love with the man. He became like a second father to me. He really was absolutely amazing. And um, I got to work with him and he actually taught me so much about life, not just in the martial arts, but outside of it as well. And a lot of my spirit is embodied in what he's taught me and obviously influences the way I write, the way I train, everything. So um, if I were to also say another person that heavily influenced my martial arts, it was definitely uh, Michael Wise. Um, I owe a lot to him. And then, you know, obviously Simon Ree, who's taught me, taught me uh, my Taekwondo. All of my beautiful kicks are all credited to him. And the way I do everything on screen is credited to him. And then, you know, you every I've studied Jackie Chan, Jet Li, you know, Donnie Yen's one of my favorites, man. Donnie Yen's swag. Oof. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. nasty. Yeah. <laughs> um, Donnie's fantastic. I've uh got to hang out with uh the Alegrias who are tied in with uh, Chuck Norris's family too. So I got to, you know, kinda play around, dabble with them. Yeah, I think those are kind of like the top guys that I've like really taken inspiration from. Um, as far as their movement, but as far as I, I think more important than just movement and style is the philosophy. And Bruce Lee was like a hundred years ahead of everybody mm -hmm. being able to take what's useful for you and apply, you know, to yourself, like everybody fanboys and everybody talks about Bruce Lee, but it, he's the real deal, you know, the utmost respect for him too. So yeah, th those are kind of like my inspirations and people I love working with and training with. Very cool. And uh, just so you know, you'll you'll probably inspire the next generation of uh, of martial arts too. So be ready for that. Oh man, I hope so. And <laughs> and it's a crazy thought because you know I I love what I do, but at the heart of it, I'm just a kid, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a big kid. And I I just want to make movies and have fun with my friends. That's cool. Yeah. All right, let's continue the fun then. Uh, you ready to do a quick lightning round? Oh, shoot. All right, let's go. All right, <clears throat> here we go. Over under 500, the number of Noah's Ark jokes you've heard in your lifetime. <laughs> uh, 499. <laughs> All, right. All right, what's your favorite martial arts move? Ooh, jump back kick. Nice. What's yeah. your uh, favorite cheat meal? Oh my God, I can't answer that. So many options. Okay, I love ice cream. <laughs> ice cream? Really? Just ice cream? Oh man, I mean like, yeah. Well, I have a place nearby. They they create and make their own ice cream in-house and it's like absolutely delicious. Nice. Yeah, yeah. All right, fair <laughs> enough. <clears throat> All right, if you could be any Marvel superhero or villain, who would you be? Oh, Marvel? Can, yeah. Does it have to be Marvel? I, I'll ask you DC next. Okay, DC's next. Okay, Marvel. Um, I fell in love with Robert Downey Jr. as, as Iron Man. Ro he was fantastic as Iron Man. After yeah. that, I was like, I want I want Iron Man swag. The way he talks, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I want that. Yes. Cool. <laughs> All right, then let's go to DC. The Joker. Absolutely. Oh, Joker. yeah. Nice. Joker is, 
oh my god i didn't actually really grow up with batman and joker and my friends are like dude you have to rewatch it i watched it as a kid didn't pay attention the philosophy of the joker oh my god it's brilliant yeah, i love yeah. it so much yeah yes. that's cool <laughs> all right uh what is your favorite anime right now uh it will always and forever be hunter x hunter <laughs> nice okay okay cool how about a uh, favorite video game you know what I have a special place in my heart for uh, Metal Gear Solid because I grew up playing that with my dad <laughs> nice. and I just played the recent one and it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, love Metal Gear. All right, cool. All right, and uh, uh, final question uh, and I'll edit it out if you get it completely wrong, but what's your favorite podcast about Kung Fu and martial arts movies? <laughs> you guys, you guys are my absolute favorite. <laughs> awesome. I actually, before you called, I actually went to your site and I started listening to everything. You had Larnell on here. Yeah. You had a bunch of people on here. I was like, dang, you're going to work. <laughs> it was actually really cool. And you're okay. I'm going to leave this in here because when I was listening to you guys, you weren't just professional. You were actually so entertaining to listen to. Oh. I don't, I'm not a person that listens to a lot of podcasts. So I'm like, okay, let me just take a look at this. My God, we were cracking up so much because you kept your professionalism while being entertaining. And that's <laughs> a hard thing to do. Oh, thank you so much. That's super flattering. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. No, but yeah, uh, yeah, I've, I've been lucky to have some great guests. So I, I mean, I'm totally psyched to, for you to come on just because the, the projects that you're working on are so entertaining to me and honestly I, I do this show to entertain myself so <laughs> <laughs> i love it man but um yeah uh and uh it's it's been a lot of fun learning from from everybody so uh and just to be able to have some fun with with people that are doing some really great things out there uh i love the whole martial arts community um i'm late to the game with martial arts uh, in terms of actually doing it but I'm, I'm trying to get in there now so uh it's a it's a a whole learning experience, great people, great philosophies. So, um, of, of course, a big thank you to you for coming oh, on. Oh, no, absolutely, man. Actually, one of the most asked questions I get is, is it too late for me to start training? And it's never too late to start anything in life. If it's martial arts, if it's learning to play basketball, whatever it is, it's never too late. You, If you want something, go get it. It's as simple as that. And I think that you starting martial arts and having this podcast and everything, I think it's absolutely fantastic and I support it. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. My back uh, disagrees with you, but you know. <laughs> make sure you stretch, get some massages, <laughs> hot tub won't hurt, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's actually been really good. I've been, it's, it, I'm going into my second or third week now. Uh, and, uh, the, the movements are obviously completely foreign to me, but, um, having been a fan of martial arts movies and, and martial artists, uh, for my entire life, mm -hmm. uh, it's, that always sits in the back of my head to kind of keep motivating me. And if I don't get it the first 50 times, I know the 51st will be a little bit closer. So I just keep going. You know, I always tell people, I said, you did it 50 times wrong, but you learn how not to do it. Right, right. And it's all part of the process. Yep. Cool. <laughs> so I will keep going until uh, until I break something. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that, man. Don't do that. Don't hurt yourself. All right. <laughs> so let me know then when does episode two of Legend of Kickmaster uh, drop and what else is going on in the pipeline for you? Yeah. So we are working on releasing episode two the end of this month. I 
try not to give hard dates till we're 110% sure because sometimes there's small minor tweaks and then I have to push it back. We want to make sure that the quality is there. So many times, especially on YouTube, everybody wants the demand now, 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 and it affects the product. We want to make sure we get it right, but it should be done by the end of this month and you will see it. And then we are currently working on uh, two major films that we're writing as well, actually three. So we're, we're writing season two of Kickmaster as well. And I want to take about a year to write that. And I'm currently writing a short film as a pitch. Um, and it's all action starring myself. And yeah, I'm not going to say too much about it, but I am writing another thing. It has nothing to do with Kickmaster. It's going to be kind of John Wick vibes. Ooh, um, nice. Have you seen Jet Li's Unleashed? Yeah. That's a big inspiration for where we're writing. Awesome. Too. Yeah, so it, it's got that grungy, you know, you know, tough, that kind of that feel to it. I always like playing roles opposite of what I've just done to showcase I have a wider range than just, you know, whatever it is I'm doing. So I, I want to portray that because Kickmaster was very fun, you know, fun, adventurous Noah. Now I want to play gritty, you know, badass, you know, martial artist, that that kind of thing. And just remind everybody that I can do that too. So uh, we're doing that. And we're working on a feature film right now. I'm really, really excited about this one the most. It has nothing to do with martial arts, actually. Wow. It's it's a rom-com we're working on. Oh, okay. And it's uh, it's called How Sixes Get Nines. <laughs> <laughs> um, Johnny's directing it. We're both writing it together. I'm the lead in it. And um, I'm very very excited for this one i actually don't plan on shooting it for a little bit with him we want to get the script and details right and we might be able to get funding and really take it off the floor with that one but i think that one has a lot of potential cool as well too and that's another thing and uh, the reasons that we're doing the rom-com we're doing different types of shows is that i am a martial artist but i'm so much more than that like i'm able to do a lot more and i think the world should see that and that's something that we want to do as a team. Great. Yeah. Yes, sir. Very cool. All right. And uh, give my audience uh, all of the information on where people can find you. Yeah. Um, if you guys, I'm really big on Instagram. I, I almost post every day. You guys can find me at Noah underscore Flader, F-L-E-D-E-R. You guys can look at my YouTube channel. It's called Force Storm, the, like the force, Force Storm Entertainment. And yeah, those are like my two main ones that we post everything on. Very cool. Noah Flader, best of luck with everything you got going on. Legend of the Kickmaster is uh, is, a, is a game changer, I think, at least in the, <laughs> in terms of how people see uh, the way that uh, stories can be told. So uh, best of luck with that. Best of luck with everything that you got going on. And again, thank you so much for taking some time out to talk with me. Dude, thank you so much. More than happy to do this whenever you need me. If you want to have uh, another podcast with other cast members, I can try and set something up. This was amazing. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And uh, again, best of luck, and I'll talk to you soon. Take it easy, man. So, guys, that was Noel Flader, and I got to say that that was one of the most positive and uplifting conversations I've had to date on this show. Noah just seems to exude optimism and enthusiasm, and it's easy to see why people enjoy working with the guy, aside from his obvious talent, of course. Go check out Legend of the Kickmaster Episode 1, which is on YouTube right now. I'll post the link to the video in the show notes. And if I've learned anything tonight, it's to trust Noah and his cast and crew to deliver something fun and worthwhile. So let's buckle up for adventure and see where it goes. As for me, visit me on all the social media as well, at Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast on Instagram, at Kung Fu Drive-In on Twitter and Facebook, and 
While you're on Twitter, go check out my friends at the Castaways hashtag for more unique and entertaining podcast voices. Until next time, Poison Clan. Peace. Poison Clan rocks the world. Shouting monks on the hands, running down the thousand stairs. The fate of Lee Khan, now's in King Yu's hands. With the fearless idea, they're roaming over the land. Yeah, the little bit soldier is older and wiser. He wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight. Yo, got the venom mob laying down the law. Bruce Lee delivered kicks, guaranteed to great jars. Fight for the cast and pass here, the pass. Not the end back kicks will defeat the outlaws. Very good, but boards don't hit back. Yeah, the death jewels here, Derry D is coming back. The Tai Chi master, Jet Li's even faster. Could chat a little drink because he is the drunken master. Once upon a time, a shine off. Rosa McQuan is real fine, but see, Maggie Chung is fine. Golden Swallow has arrived. Shang Chi movies will the hero will survive. We've got the brave archer make his way to the top of the mountain, gonna fight. May as well pick the spot. Yeah, the sky goes black, cut the vampire's back. We've got Lam Ching to kill them all, to stand back. You place the black magic on the soul of the sword, and our sword will travel until there's bodies on floors. Yeah, Wing Chun Shaolin and Manti style. Yeah, the Feed the enemy and watch him run for miles Blood will spill now on the mountain tops When we bring back the soul of the legendary pops Walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war We smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war, we smash the place up with a dragon claw. See it's a game of death yo, you're facing the big boss It's once upon a time in China counting the TikTok The Shogun assassin slashing blood is just drip drop The head kick, neck drop, balance that won't stop Wanna kill Bill, better get the assassins He's got Irma just in yellow but she is in the dragon but in the tea rooms That's where it'll happen, she got the parties on the floor When the blood it'll splatter against the wall Don't fear at all, to kill them all There's always blood spilled when you head into a war Fearless Unleashed The fist of legend at the car Jet Li I'm Bolo Young, yo, I'll always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo, I'm rumble in the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these It's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Walk into the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's war To smash the place up with a dragon claws We're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little wine, we're getting drunk and then we're fighting